episode of the Most of Musa podcast. Today in the studio, I have Lotta Dumankas. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. How are you? Well, yeah, pretty pretty good. Uh, I mean, it's um, a bit hard to be like like lo- like normal when the world uh, have changed so much drastically. Mm-hmm. Thinking and given this. Um, uh, Ukraine uh, uh, conflict but uh, yeah besides that I'm happy the sun is shining and yeah. that happy to be here with you how yeah. are you today I'm good <laughs> as well yeah uh, a little bit hot today <laughs> but yeah that's Sweden sometimes it's hot sometimes it just suddenly becomes really cold but um, I, I wonder if it's just like uh, nowadays like uh, there are so many conflicts and so many things with the pandemic and all these things going on and we, we kind of feel like so many things are happening at once but i think it's i think it things happen all the time it's just that in the news we didn't get as much exposure or through social media that is very true yeah mm. that uh, i mean the media is definitely uh, you know a direct impact on all of us and uh, the problem uh, is probably that we don't even understand how much it actually impacts us on uh, you know uh, yeah it impacts our daily life our emotions mm. everything is uh, um yeah yeah i kind of feel conflicted at one point i want to be aware of the political situations in the world maybe help out share information but at the same time like all this kind of like noise becomes like bad for my health as well mm. you like what do you what should you do <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess, uh, as in many aspects of life, uh, this, to strive for a balance is, is key. And it's harder. It's e- one thing to say, but it's another thing to do. Um, yeah, because we are social human beings and we get easily caught up and, and uh, yeah. So you mentioned you left home at 18 years old and went to Spain. How come, did you, how did you come to that decision? Were your parents okay with you just being 18, moving out? <laughs> I mean, I I, I was, uh, you know, 18 and it was after the school, um, how do you say in English? The, the gymnasium. Gymnasium, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I was just waiting for, uh, you know, to be ready to spread my wings and fly. Um, uh, so, uh, I mean, they knew I was determined and uh, I've always been c- quite independent, uh, always like uh, worked uh, beside uh, studies even since uh, since a younger age because I always wanted to feel that I'm kind of independent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, uh, that was kind of, not an option for me not to to explore more of the world and and um, yeah i think it's more of a western thing where you're 18 you're considered an adult and you just like le- leave your nest while in my experience in the um, in the pakistani or the daisy south asian community like you're like even like in your well into your 20s like the family aspect is really strong and you have to consult with your parents and everything with everything you do it's kind of like unheard of, like you just turned 18 and you just leave home and move to a completely new country. So how was it like, was it easy for you to integrating into like a new culture with new language? Or did you speak a little bit of Spanish beforehand? 
Uh, a little bit. I, I had been studying it in, in school, but um, mostly I learned it kind of, uh, you know, there directly. Uh, I was also like very exposed to it. It wasn't like in a tourist uh, city. It was more like a very Spanish city. And the only way was to learn the language as fast as possible. And I guess I also am bilingual since uh, like birth. My mom is from Poland, and, and but I'm born here in Sweden. So, but that gives you kind of an advantage to learn more more languages I also studied like a lot of uh, different languages uh, also in, in school um, but yeah I mean um, it was uh, both uh, easy and hard uh, I, I'm of course grateful to to like uh, the people who who you know helped and uh, I wasn't totally alone there was also another Swedish friend there and um, these Spanish uh, friends um, but yeah, it's of course uh, hard. Uh, I, I guess you can also recognize this, but starting somewhere from scratch is is um, never easy because, uh, and especially when you're younger and it's kind of, you're more sensitive to this concept of identity and who are you and you kind of defined also a lot of, uh, you know, with your friends mm -hmm. and, and all this and starting from zero and, and it wasn't uh, always easy um, because, uh, you know, I was always like kind of the blonde one to the Spanish people and uh, kind of, you know, a little bit uh, of, you know, excitement, but also hard uh, of really getting to know people under the skin and to be really, you know, a part, not only, you know, uh, as uh, hi, hi, how are you, but also actually to become closer and find like new friends. It's it's not um, super easy, not uh, where I was, where it's kind of not so exposed to uh, at that time. Uh, you know, it was a smaller place in the south of Spain, so of course it wasn't like this uh, international city when people are kind of used to expats. So, but uh, for sure it gave me a very authentic experience mm -hmm. and I'm very happy and grateful yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, I think when you're young, when you're moving to a country, it's kind of like the best and the worst time because if like you're an adult like my parents, if I use an example, when they move to another country, it's harder for them to adopt a new culture because they're set in their rules and principles culturally and religiously and everything mm. wise. While when you're young and move to, you have that identity crisis. So because of that crisis, you're able to fit in different things and that some parts of you go as well. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, easier when you're younger. Uh, it's harder when you are older. It's so much practical things to think about. And uh, you don't have that kind of freedom when you're young. Because at that age, all, everything was about, you know, uh, living life to it fully to the fullest. And the kind of uh, everything was exciting. And everything was, you don't think about the things you do as an adult when you think about, uh, okay, how am I going to find secure jobs so I can, you know, secure a safety for my children, for my family. And, you know, how all these kind of things you're kind of, um, you are like happily unknown, uh, uh, or how do you say, like uh, yeah, happily naive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> how long did you stay in Spain? Uh, almost for five years. Uh, so yeah, I was uh, thinking actually to stay there for uh, <laughs> my whole life. Uh, but uh, eventually I came to Stockholm and started studying. I was also uh, almost one year abroad in Paris. And um, still I was thinking like, I'll do my studies and then I'll, I'll uh, you know, maybe I'll move to Brussels or somewhere in Europe again. And But turned out that uh, I met um, uh, 
uh, when my current husband and now we have two children and now I've been living here so it didn't turn out as I thought sometimes it can be like that um, so I mean I guess um, as I said when we were talking briefly previously uh, it's, uh, it's I mean the whole life I wanted to like uh, you know live abroad but then um, when you get a bit older and you get kids and you see, start seeing the world, you start seeing things that you took for granted uh, before, um, uh, which I now appreciate greatly. Uh, and especially uh, this thing about being a woman and being able to like develop yourself, like inner development, being a mom and being able to work and, and all these kind of aspects uh, that becomes uh, so importantly um, when you get a bit older. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a young person, Sweden might seem a bit quote-unquote boring mm. everything is so secured and structured and while you look at other like uh, places in Europe or some other uh, like Asia or something it seems very exotic and you know kind of like chaotic and you feel that energy but as you mentioned when you grow older you realize hey Sweden like all the benefits and mm. the social security is like way better here mm. so what did you study in university um, well, re uh, most recently I did my master in uh, risk and decision um, and it was uh, also under the like IT kind of department which also led me uh, into working in tech after that. But uh, that was my master part and my first like bachelor was actually in um, uh, political science, international um, relations. Uh, relations kind of, but like major in political science. So for sure, um, I've always been like interested in cultures, people and society and how uh, uh, things, um, you know, how relations and people and how things uh, affects on a like society level. Um, so yeah, uh, but um, I think I realized that uh, you know working for a governmental institution or something is very hierarchical, and uh, I'm too impatient to to be there and be like a very very tiny <laughs> you know working on something very in silos. So when I kind of um, stumbled into the tech world. Um, to me that was really exciting and I felt that it was kind of a good atmosphere uh, because I felt that um, you can both uh, have uh, like an impact uh, actually on people's life and society um, but it's like uh, it, but it goes faster you can do it uh, uh, you know without uh, especially like I worked for for startups and then you can really see this kind of more value-driven leadership and you can see that things can actually you know, there a lot about there is this agility and you kind of do something and you test it directly without, you know, working in a big company when you kind of have to wait, I don't know, one year, two years until you see the result. Uh, that's hard, you know, you maybe I think a lot of people start maybe on, in big companies and they have this vision and they want to change, but they get so caught up in administration and, you know, this political aspect in bigger companies. And and that's, of course, um, yeah. yeah. Good yeah, if, like, if there's like thousand employees and you're one of them, you don't feel like you're making an impact on the whole company. While if you're like a startup or like small company, ten employees, then you feel like yeah, your work is actually contributing some way to making the changes in the company. Right. Mm. Did you feel like I've, I hear like a lot of uh, sexism uh, in the tech industry? It's very like male driven, and they're recently like a big gaming company. They were hit like a lot of uh, major 
lawsuits regarding the female employees and harassment when you went into the tenth company did you feel a bit like that even though like sweden is very like progressive in that aspect mm. yeah for sure i mean uh, that's definitely the downside of uh, you know you first you you know everything in tech is fun cool but then after a while when you realize that uh, you know um, There is a lot of uh, definitely uh, as a woman uh, I feel I had to I think everybody every woman that works in the tech industry feels that that you have to prove yourself much harder and uh, that the norm uh, is kind of this male and also you can see it on so many different levels that um, uh yeah but w- like even in the tech uh, like the, the 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 women do like other things uh, more like this people related rather than uh, you know uh than the actual coding or uh, you know it's like different um aspects of it so um for sure that's um and that's uh, a reality uh, and it's hard to even though um uh, you know there's a lot of um uh initiatives and uh, but i think the important thing is uh, i mean it's everything always with this like um uh, women in tech or also more um, diversity questions uh, like uh, many people uh, many companies are stuck in this kind of we do business as usual and then we have this little department where it's like devoted to like women in tech and we do some kind of fun events and they think that they can put a check mark on it afterwards um you know the, you, it's so important that you incorporate it into the heart of the company if you are truly authentic about that you want it to be like inclusive um, you know it's a lot about changing the 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 view on like the kind of the norm of uh, who who is somebody who works in the tech and what criteria and to kind of broaden it or kind of uh, you know um And, and I think the worst thing about uh, like uh, related to the tech industry is that the only can, can you imagine only one percent of the investment um, money goes to female funded companies. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot also that um, there is something that uh, kind of makes that it, the world is more set up for like. Uh, men. I mean, are there s- things like sports or let's say like construction you realize okay you can have like this uh, stereotype that females are weaker in some way males are stronger but in tech mm. it doesn't really matter if you're strong or not if you're male or female mm. it's just like you can work the same way yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous to have like such a uh, like a sexist or whatever you may call it approach to it Yeah. And I think what is most important that we have to realize that it's not about like uh, one thing or another, but we always in every, all aspects, we need both sides. We need to have like, um, uh, you know, uh, it's not uh, about uh, like uh, one thing is more important than another. It's always you need to have a balance between, uh, you know, uh, some th- uh, things that are uh, like coded more as feminine or things that are coded more as masculine. It's so important to i mean for example the most like kind of um, obvious uh, example is uh, steve jobs and apple i mean he was able to actually take something traditionally more like a feminine aspect is like more arty and intuitive uh, user uh, experience kind of if he wouldn't have incorporated that to the more like kind of traditional male um, this like only coded uh, uh, comp- like world uh, he wouldn't have been he, i mean apple wouldn't have been what um, 
it had what it is today it's so important always to have to include um, two sides of everything mm -hmm. and not uh, one-sided the, the founder of Pakistan, his name is Muhammad Ali Jinnah, and one of his quote is that you, your nation or your country cannot succeed as long as your women are not given the same rights and level as men. Because they're 50% of the population, you cannot just ignore 50%. Mm. Yeah, wow. But uh, I mean, I'm hopeful for the future. You can see slowly, like, uh, you know, we are heading towards more equalized society. Even like uh, in such a short amount of time, I've seen like in Pakistan, especially, um, I never had these thoughts because uh, while my dad was in Sweden, like my mom was a, a kind of like living alone, independent. She's been uh, working her whole life. I've seen her like a working woman her whole life. So I think I had that good example that um, I never had that, uh, you know, that mindset like, oh, women should stay home and, you know, take care of the kids, even though that's a big responsibility on its own. So, yeah, but now I see like women are uh, breaking through into different industries in Pakistan and uh, people find it um, surprising that we've had a prime mini female prime minister like in like way before, like, and even though like many big European or even America, they've never had a female leader. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's like, um, I I'm hopeful for the future that we are more and more inclusive to everybody. So, how long did you work in the tech industry and what made you decide to leave it? Yeah, so I worked like the recent uh, six or seven years now until uh, just, um, it's not even a year ago when um, I started uh, with Leonora, which is uh, like a sustainability, like slow fashion platform. Um, yeah, so um, it was, uh, and it was during the pandemic. I'm always, what dr always drives me is like a constant uh, development and trying new things. And uh, I'm not so much of a, like uh, a specialist. I don't like to go very deep into one subject and put all my focus. I can do that, of course, but I'm, um, I'm too like um, impatient to learn new things. So um, yeah, I think I, it was like a natural, yeah, and I don't feel like um, because also like everything thing today is is tech. I can mm. feel that I can also use that uh, a lot in in how I think and you know. Um, so um, so it's not it's not I feel like I kind of left that behind. I also still have like a, an an IT. Um, assignment a little bit mm -hmm. at least um, but um, but for sure it's uh, it feels great to do mm -hmm. something uh, to learn something new yeah. <laughs> it's uh, quite in like uh, in modern history is that we only focus on one thing while when you're reading history and you're reading like these old philosophers they were not just philosophers they were like mathematicians and musicians at the same time and astrologers like people were like skilled in many different things and I think the more we grow, like the more we are just focused on one specific subject now. Love that. That's so uh, on point of what is kind of uh, what is like trending now is uh, they I even heard it's kind of um, you can say it's like the modern renaissance uh, human. Uh, and that is also actually tech is kind of um, forcing if you'd like 
or enabling us to become more like human. We can focus more on these things, as you said, or other things, uh, because a lot of uh, work what that we have been doing, uh, you know, um, can and will be like automated. A lot of like admin work or more like labor heavy work, and you know, machines can do it better than us, so that we can focus on being more like humans. We are like to unleash more of our creativity. Uh, and uh, you know focus on things that are more like the human side that that we can actually that we are still better at uh, than uh, computers and i think also um, you know what the, the pandemic has speed up uh, you know uh, the work space for all of us and the possibilities and and um, the actually digitalization right so uh, things are happening at a, um, a greater space uh, pace sorry um, and i think it's uh, really important to um, apply that kind of mindset the agility of um, not being like uh, you know I have this university degree and I am uh, uh, IT software or whatever you have to uh, now it's a new time you have to be um, ready to uh, you can't have your identity tied to what you studied because that was for another world almost now it's very important to understand that you will have many parallel uh, and many careers during your life that's mm -hmm. just you know how yeah. how are the realities yeah i've seen that change during my lifetime where you see like oh seeing like doctors engineers lawyers this like secure job you get a degree you get good uh, good pay and your future is secu secured but now that i'm seeing that throughout the world that youngsters are moving more into entrepreneurship and starting their small businesses and through like amazon and ebay they're using these tools and instagram and they have everything in their hand, the marketing aspect, the supply chain, everything like a person can just sit down using their computer, mm. be a businessman. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. We, I think we don't realize because everything happens so fast, fast. But I mean, it's so amazing how each one of us can almost everyone ha today has like uh, the possibility of, you know, reaching out to people and starting. Um, well, at least in Sweden, we are privileged. Uh, I think uh, also like starting a company is very easy. It's not uh, associated with, uh, you know, a uh, very big risk. And also the tech today makes uh, like everything so easy before just five years ago just um, you know building a decent e-commerce e platform was uh, difficult and uh, you know cost uh, it costed a lot and today you can do it like uh, I don't know during one day uh, you can create a sh uh, you know fully uh, functional uh, Shopify site that is actually very uh, very good you know it's um, it's quite amazing yeah. when I think about like how technology is developing like it's hard to wrap my mind around it but then this, there's this one thing that the first uh, you know the Wright brothers who made the first airplane functional airplane they their first functional airplane was made in 1913 or 16 and by the 1940s and 50s we have a spaceship like that just blows my mind how fast mm. human beings can mm. just develop mm. and, like during my grandpa's time like uh, if I tell my grandpa, hey, can you make a new WhatsApp uh, account? He'll have no idea. Well, I can tell my five-year-old niece and she's mm -hmm. like, oh, two minutes, here you go. Mm -hmm. So it's just like a crazy amount of changes like uh, technologically, uh, skill-wise between the two generations. It's like crazy. Mm -hmm. So you left the tech industry like your job and then you moved into the slow fashion. 
um was there kind of like uh, especially during the pandemic were you like scared or hesitant to like completely shift your focus in another industry and uh like starting from sca- uh, scratch i mean you must have a lot of things to do and to build up so how did you go through that process well um this uh, platform i mean i started uh, last year when the pandemic was more severe and really like um, so i don't have anything to compare with it was kind of born i think uh, the pandemic uh, kind of accelerated the the whole idea of um, you know it has this a uh, lot of side effects uh, a lot of good ones also i think people everything uh, you know got to slow down people were able to think more about how do we actually consume what uh, actually happens and so the awareness of um, of people of how we consume and uh, you know um, uh, the fashion industry especially fast fashion has a enormous uh, negative impact um, so um, sorry what's the difference between fast and slow fashion yeah so fast fashion is what we are mainly used to it's from the larger largest companies such as um, about all those h&m zara uh, etc releasing um, uh, new collections not like uh, once or twice per year but uh, probably more uh, once a week or once uh, twice a month or which is like built on um, yeah uh, this really uh, mass consumption and the idea that that we people uh, kind of uh, buy one thing and uh, uh, use it once or twice and then uh, we want something new. And uh, slow fashion is uh, more about uh, how can we like uh, prolong uh, the life cycle of the clothing? Can we reuse uh, uh, things? Uh, can can I I see myself more as a kind of um, I, I would uh, like to say that it's a little bit tied to the sharing um, in uh, uh, how's it called? Um, I mean, I'm thinking of this uh, Airbnb and all the sharing economy. Sorry, so you kind of see yourself as a user rather than a consumer you know that's why also there are like today rental sites that you don't even have to buy your clothes you can rent clothes and and that you know you use your clothes and then they can be like um, given or sold to second hand and um, but it's uh, it's a more like circular mindset uh, rather than this fast fashion which is built on new consumption constantly like i've seen noticed during like in the fashion industry like uh uh, my generation or the younger who are coming they're very into vintage clothing and reusing like uh, secondhand stores and vintage stores are very popular in Stockholm and it, it's not just the idea that hey we're being more environmentally friendly it's actually like it looks cool you mm-hmm. know it's like uh, it's also fashionable I think it's uh, yeah. I think one thing that is growing also that everybody wants more and more to be and to look unique, and fast fashion is a lot about. Um, it's kind of built more on this like uh, jet set influencer that wears something and every suddenly everybody wants to to have it and then suddenly everybody looks the same, which is actually one thing that I I think is a little bit typical Swedish. You see when there's a trend, you can see immediately that a lot of people adopt this trend and it's kind of more built on the. Uh, brand that people follow a certain brand and want to like but i think a lot of people uh, the younger generation um, maybe the more like greta generation part that uh, uh, for them it's not just clothing Um, they care about uh, the environment but they also want to they understand kind of also and embody this more like uh, that we are all unique and uh, you know uh, doesn't want to 
to be to be looking as like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, self-expression or individual expression i think it's very much promoted in sweden uh, like you like go down the street and you see like people wearing all different kinds of clothing and nobody is judging them and it looks cool while i don't think it may be like compared to pakistan like maybe uh, everyone is basically wearing some kind of like the varieties maybe different design different color were basically the same thing but uh, i think it's um, uh, it's very like people are proud to be unique here. They're not afraid that other people will judge them in any way. I think that's very cool. I was watching like this video about how this guy was breaking down fast fashion, the whole industry, and, and like he mentioned that a lot of these fast fashion stores they have their own recycling area. Hey, when you're done with your clothes, go through it here and we recycle. And he says like. Even that, 90% of it ends up just like being trash, burned up somewhere. And this pandemic also showed, I think it was China or somewhere, where they refused to take the trash of United States. Like, hey, we don't have space or like, we're not going to take it anymore. And then you realize like, we use all these products and then it's somebody else's job in another mm -hmm. part of the world to take care of and be responsible for that trash. It just seems crazy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so that's kind of what fast fashion and also uh, the, the whole kind of uh, no things that we have considered normal for a long time now, which is like uh, that things are, we don't care, like things are endless. We've That's how we have lived for the past uh, years. Like like if the planet did like, uh, you know, infinite, like we live, um, you know, so many traveling, uh, you know, uh, I think about all the companies where you go to conference and you travel uh, like uh, not only once a month but uh, several times during uh, the week and um uh, yeah and and how you consume and and uh, it's all kind of uh, and this like uh, constant uh, crazy um uh, how do you say uh, strive for infinite growth and uh, you know that the, listen, there's infinite uh, uh, travel possibilities but uh, you know that w I think the pandemic, the, the, the like the good effects is that it has slowed down everything. It made people more conscious and aware. And I think p the pandemic was also like uh, quite a harsh, but a real, um, uh, how do you say, um, uh, very um, expression of, of how we are actually uh, connected and how everything is connected. Like, uh, you know, the environment and the people like it, it doesn't you, you can't uh, do something here and expect that it won't have an effect in another part of the world and that that um, effect will come back at you you know that's why um, i think when people are under starting to understand more of this like circular mindset mm -hmm. that whether we like it or not things are you know just as the a season are changing and just us so we have to understand that we are much more like circular than than we have admitted to be mm -hmm. things are not as linear as as we might have uh, thought or uh, lived with there's a tricky question between the supply and demand like i think most of these big companies um, uh, in terms of fast fashion or any big uh, like capitalist big company like they always justify by saying, hey, it's the consumer, they demand these many products, they want this many things, so we have to supply it. Mm -hmm. While on the other side, you can also say, hey, they have a monopoly on those things, so they can, they're pushing ads and marketing and they're 
promoting all this stuff and they kind of like influence us uh, by uh, influence us by not giving us many choices so what's your take on it is it the consumer fault or is it the uh, the company's fault what's driving this de uh, demand and supply <laughs> Right. So, yeah, what you're saying is definitely this kind of battle, as you described, that uh, the company says that, oh, but people expect us uh, to. It's like what the consumer wants, but they don't, uh, uh, you know, realize their responsibility. If they triggers, you know, when they um, kind of do this uh, marketing, uh, they, they, of course, triggers uh, people to. Uh, I mean, marketing is built on uh, trying to make people feel like uh, imperfect. So that if you buy X or Y, you will be more successful, more beautiful, whatever. Uh, and the consumers, uh, yeah. So I think what is happening now with this whole secondhand and slow fashion um, community that is growing and growing is that uh, they have, uh, they understand, they know perfectly that they have a, you know, a huge impact. And that, um, so it's a lot about, it's, it's, it's an empowerment that you can see that they understand that, um, I have a great impact. Uh, my choice matter. I can choose to not uh, buy from these fast fashion brands. Uh, and um, yeah, and I mean, we can see it and it's happening now uh, quickly. Uh, I just uh, recently now these days, they're opening up uh, in the center of Stockholm, uh, two more secondhand stores that is kind of taking place in the, you know, in the nice, uh, you know, these shopping streets, which w a few years ago was, you know, there was only like one, one, you know some districts that had this, this kind of second hand so there is an actual but yeah but but to to answer your question i think the responsibility is uh, on both sides for sure and i think uh, this uh, era now is more about uh, you know the power to the grassroots which before we as consumers felt more helpless i think that it's like oh the big companies it doesn't matter what i do because it doesn't have an impact i'm just such a small person what can i do etc no i think uh, what is happening now is an actual uh, result of people feeling empowered you know they know that what i do uh, i i have an enormous impact and uh, the grow the um, the bigger this critical mass uh, grows well the companies doesn't have a choice but to if you see like these bigger companies like h&m they have speeded up um, uh, their like kind of um, recycled um, sustainability focus a lot which is of course thanks to what is happening that the consumers are taking more responsibility that each one of us feel empowered um, uh, and knowing that uh, what we do matters greatly for sure i think it's about uh, ultimately that we all have to be the change we want to see we can't uh, wait for um, some big company or politician or somebody that will save us it's uh, each one of us uh, the power of the people is mm -hmm. much greater than the people in power yeah. right like even th if you look at throughout history all these big changes revolutions like if you look at they were all started by one person it wasn't like a group of people if you take martin luther king or like mandela or gandhi you always your mind always goes to a singular name not like a group of people so all changes start with like just one individual person Exactly, and that one individual, uh, I think it ver it very it builds up on that that person is not only talking; it walks, you know, it it, it kind of walks the walk. Mm -hmm. It 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 
that person manifests that uh, you know it it functions like like um, how do you say a catalyst uh, that it's kind of the you know the start the spark yeah because that person uh, probably embodies this change that the person wants to see uh, the 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 woman or man is the change. I think uh, actually one um, a very close. Uh, if you look at the like uh, Ukraine conflict, you see the the president who could easily just have s escaped uh, when he got these offers of fleeing the country, but he's staying there at the same condition as his people. So you know he's embodying this kind of uh, you know we're standing up together. I'm standing up. Uh, I'm 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 you know. Yeah. But people didn't like him at first. Like the world government, he was like. Uh, there were a lot of corruption charges. He was also like named in the Panama Papers. So people do, didn't look at him as like this brave, good symbol of, you know, like mm -hmm. a hero. But when it like came to like the moment where mm -hmm. he could decide like a big decision, whether mm -hmm. to just like give in to those perceptions of people or whether mm -hmm. to, you know, do something good for his country and just like an mm -hmm. individual, I think he made the like a great choice. I think but he's a good inspiration for many other like leaders. Let just in recent history, when the uh, when the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan and the Taliban came inside, like the, the president, like it didn't even take seconds. He took all his money and just mm. get into a helicopter, flew to another like country. Mm. So it's like in recent history, there you have two different examples, and it's clear like who is the inspiration and who is not. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. And um, what you're saying is also like, uh, as you described that, that who would have thought this before, right? It's kind of interesting how uh, when <laughs> when somebody steps forward and become this kind of uh, big uh, leader, uh, and, and, and that kind of leadership is all about like enabling, uh, you know, the, the, the power of the people to make everybody feel empowered and assume like a self-leadership. That's inspiration that's like great leadership right and you never know because uh, yeah but I think that is kind of um, hopeful in a way because it also uh, I think uh, when he got elected as president I think he said that anybody can become a president and and he then that's kind of um, um, hopeful to think that uh, we all have that inside of us. It's no magic for you're not born into being this or that. Uh, everybody can, in in a, s a given situation, step forward, and it's never too late. Like we can all be, uh, we can all, uh, uh, you know, step forward in something that we believe matter for each, you know, for us. And we're all different there. We all have different core values, mm -hmm. but it's like, um, I think that's kind of, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I guess as human beings, we're always expecting other people to take on the responsibility. Um, there's this like effect, I can't remember the name, dispersion of responsibility effect or something like that. That when you're in a crowd and let's say you're walking down the street and the person falls down, you're always expecting, let's just walk, someone else, somebody else would help him. Or, but if you're the same thing, if you're going on a walk in the forest and you see a person who's mm -hmm. fallen down, broken their leg, you're obviously not gonna go away because mm. there's nobody else. Mm. So there's this uh, psychological effect in human beings that we're, when we're in a crowd, we're always thinking, okay, somebody else will mm. take on the responsibility where everybody else is thinking that at the same time. That is so true, yeah. Mm. So, uh. so actually that reminds me, I was playing a game like a couple of months ago and it was all about this uh, corporate 
kind of mindset versus the consumerism mindset. It was a very simple game, but it had a very thought-provoking ideas in it. So it was like a choice-based, it would give you a question or like a prompt, you make choices, it will give you answers. So one of the choices was this like evil company, like someone was speaking on behalf of that. And they were saying, they were saying that when a company markets something, uh, let's say cigarettes, for example, is it the responsibility of the society as a whole to um, like uh, reject that idea or adopt it? Or is it the responsibility of the individual? So uh, I, I believe in like individual responsibilities. So I going forward, I chose the option of, hey, it's the individual, you give the product and let the individual, each consumer decide if you want to take them or not. People want to take it, they take it, you, do, you shouldn't force whatever. So then they presented something very interesting that individual, all these ads that companies give out, they're not for individuals, they're for as a society, as a group. And even though individuals have the moral capacity to make those decisions if should adopt or not, the society as a whole does not have that uh, capacity. So it doesn't make sense that uh, a company, they're targeting an ad for a whole society as a whole, while an individual cannot, uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't know, I, I don't think I can word it uh, properly. But yeah, that's the thing that when a company like uh, markets something which is bad, you shouldn't let it, like there should be some regulations to tell them, hey, it's bad for the whole society. You shouldn't let it be just up to like individuals. You cannot just market, hey, these are like LSD. I'll just market LSD and just let individuals decide if I want to take it or not. So yeah, in, like the, when companies grow so big, then there is no regulation. There's no that body of authority that's telling them what to do or what not to do. Hmm. So there's like a conflict between that, what we're talking about, the individual responsibility versus hmm. like the corporate responsibility. Hmm. So I don't know if there was a question in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but of course, and it's not so easy. Sometimes it's, it's not just black and white hmm. and um, especially, uh, yeah, companies and products, it's different when it's like, <laughs> sorry regulated by like the government and but um yeah what's the fine line when it becomes yeah, exactly. uh, mm. so there is this hypothetical question i wanted to ask whenever you see like these uh movies with like with this show the future like everybody is wearing the same exact thing in the future every single movie they're all wearing some kind of white very geometrical shaped clothes so in your mind when you see look in the future do you see like in the future we wouldn't much care about fashion. It will be more about efficiency that, hey, these clothes are good, they're comfortable, and like they get the job done. Or will we be, st will we be more creatively minded and be more like open to fashion and new, unique, extravagant things? <laughs> yeah, interesting question. Uh, yeah, I think I, th I know what you mean. And uh, there was also this discussion and um, for example, um, about uh, because it actually ta it consumes energy and it takes time every uh, day, right, to decide what you're wearing and so forth. You can have to actually save uh, energy and um, 
and all that uh, i know there uh, some people who started to wear more like a uniform not like a uniform from the company but they, they chose themselves just not just to like eliminate that thing every day that you have to actually think of what to wear and so forth and uh, yeah and i think uh, and, uh, not to generalize now but uh, i think men are a little bit more like that that you take something and you don't spend so much time you you kind of focus on other things while women it's kind of more of a lifestyle uh clothing uh, it's it's a bit more like art or you know it's mm-hmm. part of your kind more of expression uh, exactly than when it comes to women. yeah so but to answer your questions uh, i think uh, actually um i think clothes will remain as an important thing how in in, in terms of how we uh, express ourselves because i think it's so tied to kind of like uh, things that we consider kind of the the beauty and the pleasures in life mm-hmm. uh, the clothing is not just uh, the actual clothes uh, it's also about uh, yeah how you express yourself um with colors and with uh, um but for sure i think uh, we will uh, this uh, trend that has been going on for a l- for a long time now like mm. this fast fashion trends that you have to wear something new for each uh, you know each party or each uh, whatever you're doing <laughs> um, i mean you can be very creative just with like uh, 10 pieces in your wardrobe it's just about new combinations and so um and 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 choosing better materials and so forth but i think it's uh, something human and uh, as long as we are still humans i think it will be uh, still uh, something yeah. important for us i i really really love fashion and like you need clothes when i look at like movies and like uh, like something catches my eye and i have friends who are like who have a, like a really good fashion sense but when it comes to me i don't think uh, i'm more into hey what gets the job done you know more like what looks good mm-hmm. i think i need like a fashion advisor or whatever a stylist session yeah, or something yeah, to exactly. activate yeah. <laughs> But I'm really interested in how like clothing is a big uh, part of our culture in every culture and throughout history it has been a staple of like it's, it's been an aspect of uh, how to differentiate differentiate between classes as well like back in the day the royal family or like the upper class people were allowed to wear certain colors or certain clothes while the middle like class lower class people wouldn't be able to wear them and it's like it's weird how we Uh, decided on what's formal what's not mm. like when you go to like formal what's considered formal like a suit or tie even though uh, like a, for a woman maybe like a dress or like heels and even though these consider uh, these things are considered uh, like classy but they're the most comfortable clothing you can wear like i l- mm. i love wearing a suit and being like mm. kind of stylish and looking good at the same time is mm. very uncomfortable mm. so it's yeah, Yeah, it's like kind of like who decides and you know it's kind of oh, like a weird thing mm. yeah definitely and it changes all the time mm. uh, uh, colors and uh, how it's like for example pink which is uh, considered you know a more girly type of color i mean ju- uh, about 100 years ago it was uh, a color for like uh, royalty and it was very like male coded uh, it wasn't uh, like feminine at all at that time but um, that has changed and uh, there's a lot of things that uh, the same with heels like men start wearing heels and then now only women mm. wear heels mm. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, uh, yeah, they say they, it's like different sayings in fashion that it takes like uh, 30 years or something. I don't remember exactly, but then it comes, you know, a trend becomes trendy again. And uh, yeah, and I mean, fashion is uh, a lot of, it's, I would say it's very connected to like art and um, interior design. And, and uh, that is kind of, um, you know, uh, an expression of all the like culture and all the what is happening in society it kind of embodies a lot of uh, things uh, it serves like uh, a trend um, uh, something that reflects uh, you know current trends as you say, I mentioned there about um, yeah society and um, uh, so uh, I mean uh, what is considered like uh, fashionable or beautiful and that will I, I guess that will keep on changing like forever yeah like celebrity have like a big role like if you see Kanye wearing a hoodie like even though that's not considered formal wear or stylish like people will start wearing that hoodie or like any especially when it comes to clothing as well or if he like uh, I think he released some kind of Crocs and you know that's the worst kind of shoes but we were like oh Kanye came out with Crocs oh that's like now fashionable or whatever <laughs> so yeah I think like the celebrity people we look up to mm. is like kind of decide like our ideas and our mm. passion and our creativity as well I also have a question yeah, for yeah, you. Of course, I'm asking <laughs> all the questions here. <laughs> okay. No, but we were talking before uh, we started to talk a little bit about how this um your kind of your uh, something that you struggle with can all, when you overcome it and uh you know how that can be sometimes uh yeah, yeah you were um, I, I got really curious. Uh, you told me a little bit about how it was for you and um Yeah, um so mainly uh, uh, I've been struggling through like uh, a bad mental health issues for a very long time and I was stuck in this loop, like bad loop and then I had this idea in my mind that maybe someday someone will come and help me or some by some miracle like a, like you know how mm. this mentality like a Prince Charming will come and mm. fall in love with me or whatever. So uh, then I found these some like good people to follow on the internet kind of like life coaches they're not like like those typical life coaches but they what they say is kind of like uh, that and they help me they nobody has taught me before that all of my life decisions like everything is a reflection of my own decisions and my own behavior and if I want to stay in bed all day nobody's gonna come and help me that's my own decision uh, I'm not discrediting people with depression like it's not their fault that they're in bed all day it's like a kind of like a chemical reaction or whatever I've been through that but even though if you can just get up maybe walk 10 walks 10, 10 paces that's one thing that's like a big step mm. the other day don't do anything okay stay in bed maybe mm. the next day you wake up 10 do 20 steps but that thing of individual change of behavior I re that element was really instilled in me that mm. er whatever you want to do your whole success your failure I used to blame my circumstances and other people mm. institutions like my family got deported mm. blame everything on whatever like the migration work at or uh, you know whatever I was blaming a lot of stuff on other people and my circumstances even though maybe they played a role in my behavior mm. but at the end of the day it's my decision will I keep thinking about it will I keep 
letting that affect my mood, my my emotions, or will I stand up for myself and make changes and not let that affect me? So these like small changes and I like by small changes like I started doing in my like daily life. I started seeing the difference. I was very conscious of like taking pictures of other people, like model shoots or portrait photography. Like I did, I did only like landscapes of like you know inanimate objects, and then by getting over that fear, is uh, I did two things. One thing I did was I made an account where I went uh, on to like random people. I stopped them on the street. I took their picture and maybe asked them a question, like philosophical question or something like that. And then also I started. I was like, okay, there's like ten steps I need to do to become this confident. It seemed like a very daunting task to do to go over there but if i do this step by step it's not going to be that hard there's no timeline like uh like you know how oh by 30 i should be married by 35 i have these kids like we have these preconceived goals and ideas and timelines in our mind and i just got rid of all of them i'm like just do step by step let's say whether i'm afraid of doing a degree for four years or not mm-hmm. after four years if i don't do anything i'm not going to have the degree anyways mm-hmm. So it's better to just start by step by step, like reaching that goal. So I started um, uh, with the same with the photography. I started like invited a friend who I'm more comfortable with. Hey, can I take your pictures? Then invited another friends and then reach out to a mutual friend. And then I think everything you need to do is expose yourself little by little. If you just expose yourself to like a Uh, if I want to talk to people one on one, I cannot just go to a big stage and start mm-hmm. doing like a big comedy or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. in front of people. So you have to just break down this stuff and uh, make things smaller, make your smaller problem bigger problems smaller by smaller. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. So I, I was like um, following the psychologist, and he's uh, expert in like. dealing people with their phobias like if mm-hmm. some people have phobias for from needles or like uh, elevators you know they can't travel in elevators so how he helps people is that it's called exposure therapy and what mm-hmm. psychologists use and they expose you with the stuff little by little like here there's an elevator like a person had so much anxiety he couldn't even look at an elevator so he would like just blindfold a person take them in front of an elevator and he just tell them there's an elevator in front of you but don't don't look at it so they won't look at it and they would do this three times a week mm. the next week they would be like okay you can look at the elevator but it's 100 meters away mm. you can look at it like that they'll do it this three times a week mm. so slowly by slowly by slowly you eventually get over that fear so i kind of implemented that mindset into my own life mm. by whatever i want to do let's expose yourself slowly by slowly by slowly mm-hmm. i was i didn't have any idealistic goals hey my podcast by the end of 2022 i need thousands of listeners i need thousands mm-hmm. of subscribers i didn't have this i'm like doesn't matter what your goal is just focus on the process and go through it slowly by slowly mm-hmm. yeah so that's how like i think i approach life now what i think i haven't mentioned this before one thing that really helped me I used to see things as good or bad. Anything that happened to me, I miss my bus. Like, oh, 
um, is that's a really bad thing that happened to me and I'm gonna be late and all that stuff if anything good happened to me yeah I'm really excited or whatever so instead of seeing things good or bad or right or wrong I kind of started seeing things as funny or not hey is this funny or not like hey I I was uh, I missed my breakfast I was learning uh, running to the train I still missed it at the end I'm like hey that's kind of like a funny thing I could tell just my friends like hey I had a big appointment and then I kind of missed it that's kind of like a funny story so that kind of removed all this pressure from me that I was putting myself on yeah I've kind of like when something bad happens it's not the ideal situation but when something bad happens I've kind of I kind of try to find the funny in it mm. that kind of yeah helps wow that was uh, <laughs> yeah. an amazing inspiring story like wow this is uh, incredible i think uh, a lot of people can uh, find uh, you know inspiration in your story because uh, you know when i uh, came here and we started to have a, a small uh, before we we started um, the episode you i asked you like uh, yeah how you started this and it was really amazing when you said that uh, i used to not uh, i used to be totally uncomfortable talking to new people and uh, uh, and also you said you are like uh, sometimes uh, organizing this uh, photography community like uh, so um, I think it's so interesting that uh, there's uh, two sides of uh, like uh, our um, kind of biggest wound can also be our like biggest gift uh, when we if we overcome it and uh, sometimes and as I think that kind of ties to what you say that things are not as binary as we think it's not either good or bad it can be bad but it can also it can also be a gift for you uh, and things uh, are uh, in general um, there's two sides of things i saw like i saw like my older relatives and like older people in general like when i would engage with them they would like act like in ways like they would like maybe rage out or get angry very quickly and i saw like those things like kids do that you know like um the, a lot of like characteristic that i saw in older people in what i considered like mature adults i saw them hey they have this characteristic whether it's impatience or whether it's uh, whatever you know i saw this like they probably have this characteristic since they were young and how come they never changed themselves mm. they never self reflected on themselves say, hey maybe there's this something that that's wrong with me maybe i should change it mm. and when i saw those older people then I decided I'm not going to be like that. Mm -hmm. When I see something wrong with myself mm -hmm. or something lacking, I'm going to try my best to change that in myself. I don't want to be the same person that I am a year later, mm -hmm. maybe 10 years later. I want to be a better person. Mm. Wow, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> amazing. But and it's so true as you say just because you are like um, older doesn't mean that you are <laughs> become smarter and uh, it's all about uh, your mindset of life if you're willing to continually like uh, develop if you believe that uh, you know uh, that we as humans uh, that we never stop uh, you know before uh, during the 50s uh, the scientists said that our brain is fully developed as a 20 something it doesn't there's no point of studying more because you want uh, you can't like kind of change who you are but the recent like you know neuro um, uh, scientists uh, and uh, other um uh, research and uh, ha has showed us that uh, you know uh, we continue to develop uh, we can you know learn until we until the last breath 
uh, and it's definitely worth it uh, even more it will um, it actually increases the possibility uh, to live a longer and healthier life mm -hmm. because it's a lot about like the brain and uh, you know to keep it and um, and also this as you described I think that's kind of uh, you know taking responsibility I think that's uh, kind of um, it's so easy to project uh, our own uh, like uh, emotions and problems onto other things. Um, uh, it might be easier for the moment because we feel, oh, it's so much easier to say, oh, that's uh, because of this or that, or it's, it's his or her's fault. But what it makes us ultimately is that, uh, you know, um, it won't make us happier or healthier. We feel less and less empowered that, you know, that we don't have... Um, you know the power of our own life that we're too dependent on outer uh, outer things mm -hmm. when it's actually the other uh, way around and um and what you described there i think that's kind of um, uh, i think in our so society we often think that it's about like gaining new skills like new skills in terms of uh, something that uh, you know learn to code learn photography which is um, you know of course good but uh, we don't uh, give uh, the same same uh, kind of uh, attention to our inner journeys, which is growing more like if you see uh, one way of illustrating is that, you know, all these new skills can be acquired like more on a horizontal level, but to grow like more vertical is to grow within yourself. Right. Um, and that's kind of when you open up to new perspectives, new ways of uh, viewing the world, um, uh, you get to know yourself better and understand like your emotions and your inner drive and everything. And, um, and that's uh, super important mm -hmm. to live a more, uh, a richer life. Yeah, when you're young and uh, like your parents or other adults, your teachers, they're telling you what to do and what not to do. They're kind of controlling your lives and making all the decisions for you. So this idea gets instilled in children's mind that adults, they know what they're doing. They're perfect. Like, I don't know about you. When I was young, like I saw 18 years old, 25 years old. Oh, they're big adults. They've got their shit together. They know what's going on. But now I'm like 25 and then realize, hey, like that's not true. And nobody really knows what's going on. People are just going like by what they think is best. Mm. So you have to see like, uh, how can you blame other people when you know you're not perfect and nobody else is perfect. So um, I wanna ask you like, you've, like uh, you've exposed yourself to many different uh, situations out, or outside your comfort zone or your, your normal zone, I would say going to Spain, then you know, being like a, a mother, that's like a, I guess like a big change in like a woman's life as well starting your own business so i gather you've like uh learned a lot of like like good valuables like life lessons so what do you think like the biggest life lesson you've learned or like like a major thing mm -hmm. maybe it's like something recent that you learned mm -hmm. that you think is very impactful to your life well it's uh, a big question an important question so i don't um well, one thing that comes to my mind is uh, what I recently thought uh, a lot about. Um, 
uh, is that uh, you know the the big thing we always I think it's um, we live with this feeling that the best is yet to come and uh, you know soon uh, when I'll have uh, this and that uh, when I'll be successful etc then I will be happy etc but uh, I think that um, the most important thing that we can all do and that we can learn our children is to appreciate uh, the everyday life the ordinary life to see like the 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 beautiful and the miracles around us you know a beautiful uh, sunset that the sky is blue that i can breathe fresh air and appreciate uh, the things i have right now because life is constantly evolving next year i might be more successful um uh, with uh, for example for etc uh, for example sorry uh, with the company but then maybe my mo mother has passed away or in two years uh, you know uh, the uh, you know there's like life will always uh, constantly be changing you will face new obstacles all the time and uh, you know it's not easy all the times to be a human being and you never we don't know nobody knows uh, <laughs> maybe we will have this third world war soon and we'll never nobody will be so I think really like to practice, kind of practice, uh, take a breath, um, deep breath, um, some, uh, you know, during the day and, and, and uh, focus on the thing here and now that we can appreciate and um, don't save like, uh, say I love you one extra time, look at this uh, sunset or, you know, try to feel the air and the sun on your face and, and uh, you know, feel it because we are here for the earthy experience and we live our life through our senses and that's, w that's a fantastic gift, you know, to be able to sense uh, the food, uh, to see things and to feel things and to hear things and what would advice would you give to like a younger person or just like anybody who's going away from a job to becoming self-employed or starting their own business becoming an entre entrepreneur because i think uh, especially in young people's mind it's like a it's a very insecure thing to do because on on one hand you could get a monthly salary and uh, it's your job is secured or whatever and on the other hand, you have to do a lot of work yourself and it's uncertain if your business is successful or not, all those challenges that come with it. So what advice would you give to like some person who's thinking about starting their own business? Um, yeah, so um, I think um, grit is important and to be able to like... Um, to know that it's not like a sprint, it's marathon, right? You have to be able to to face obstacles and still, you know, keep going, keep going. Um, but I will say what's really important to have with you is to understand uh, your inner uh, drive. What's like really, why, what's your why and why are you doing this? And to know that uh, and all these kind of um, inner development, it's not like we have to become something to have a value. We're already perfect, you know, you have it inside you. You just have to like kind of uh, understand that and, and lean on to it. I guess it's important to not not so often things are like on uh, you know bloody it's not like death or I mean it's uh, there's you will never fail because fail is just learning you know uh, moments to learn and uh, if you don't try you will not I mean one thing often leads to another so um, I know I think what you described um, with your journey, I think it's all about like breaking things down into smaller 
things. It's not about, you know, going from one uh, day to another. Uh, you know, you don't go from, uh, you know, zero to success in uh, <laughs> in one day or in one month or even in one year. It's a journey. And um, as long as you feel that you have, you can do something, do little by little every day. I think that's, um, that's a key. <laughs> And where is your, do you have a shop or a store? Yes, a physical store at uh, Rörstrandsgatan 24. It's kind of close to St. Eris Plan. Mm. And also a web shop. And uh, soon uh, I'll be releasing this uh, new collection, mm. uh, which of course I'm excited about. It will be, I've tried to make it, uh, you know, sustainable really from like zero until final production, which is, it's like uh, designed and produced in Sweden, here in Stockholm, out of uh, leftover fabrics. And I've really tried to take, uh, um, you know, consideration the sustainability in each aspect. So, of course, it will be like in contrast to fast fashion and... um, yeah, I'm happy about it and that it will be released soon. So, uh, good luck, all the best. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I will pray the best for you and your business and your family. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for so coming much. today. It was really awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for thank listening. You. Peace be upon you all. Bye bye.